0: Well, great morning. It's not just a good morning, it's a great morning. Amen? Amen. If you have children or are a child, hopefully you know the difference between needs and wants, right? Think of your children when they were young going through the store. I need this, right? Is there a difference between need and wants? Well, for us as adults, it's very clear when we look at our children. But when we look at ourselves, sometimes it's hard to know what is the difference between needs and wants, because we sometimes want something and we think, oh, we need it. My children are the pros of needs and wants. When I grew up, and I blame this because I say we were poor, we really weren't poor, I lived in America, but we just grew up in a family where just, we were very simple. My dad was laid off a couple times and just Jobs were hard to find, and my mom worked a lot, and just, we didn't get extra things. In fact, Christmas time, we got the privilege of getting socks, clothes, and undies. Yay, that's not much of a Christmas. But, my grandpa would give us the Sears catalog, and we could pick one thing, and we could circle it, and we would get that. Growing up, food-wise, food was pretty simple, and I thought we had it good, until I got married and I married into the Osborne family. I thought I had it good, then I realized I married up in many ways. In which way? Apparently, the Osborns always got snacks every night. Because when we had kids, every night our kids get snacks. Man, when I was a kid growing up, I got snacks maybe once a year because it was my birthday leftover spice cake or something. I don't know what it was. But every night now, our kids need to have snacks. Again, is there a difference between needs and wants? Yes, there are. And my kids, not picking on them, but they, it's hard for them. Sometimes they don't understand the difference between, I need this, or I really, really want this. Today we are going to look at the greatest section in the old, I say that about every passage, don't I? But this is the greatest section, speaking of Jesus, in prophetic literature. Jesus here deals with our true needs, not just our wants. Jesus comes and meets us where we need it the greatest. He meets us in the moral and spiritual wrongs that we have done, committed against Him, and He becomes the suffering servant this alienation that we have with God, Jesus comes and meets us where we need it the most. And as you see here, we've been going through this passage, and you'll see that this is kind of tiered out on this slide here, where in this piece of artwork, we see here that this section, Isaiah 53, 4-6, is the centerpiece. This is the heart of this passage. Not that the other parts are not important, but this here, the way it's written in Hebrew, this is the heart of the song. This stanza, section C that we have up here, points to Christ as, as I've got written here, substitution. He is the perfect remedy for our great need. And in the drama of redemption, this is the heart of it right here. This passage is great. 700 years before Jesus came, this was penned out. And when we look at the cross, we see the beauty of this passage, written of Christ and his saving work on the cross. So Isaiah 53, 4-6... through 6. In fact, I think I have part of this on the next slide here. This is going to be the passage that we're going to be looking at this morning. So take your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 53. And what I want to do is I'm going to read 4 through 6. So Isaiah 53, 4 through 6, and I want you to listen to pronouns. What are pronouns? Pronouns are words that speak, they're in place of nouns, people. Listen to the words that say, He and our, we, he, we, our, listen to these words. So take a look at Isaiah 53, starting with verse 4. If you don't have a Bible, put your hand up, we've got extra Bibles. Listen just to the pronouns in this. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried Our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by Him, and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions, He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray each of us have turned to his own way and the lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all just looking at the pronouns is pretty profound in this passage isn't it so much is focused on this suffering servant so much is laid put upon him for us The only part that we have in this is our sin and our failure. And look at all the things we get out of this. So, just pronoun wise, we could just think and ponder that we, what do we have to contribute? The problem, our sin. So, the heart, I have this here, the heart of this passage, the heart of the saving work of the Bible. This is important. The main aspect of the Bible, here's the heart of the Bible, is substitution. When it comes to salvation, it's about substitution. The idea of substitution is found early in the Bible. But why do we have this? Sin cannot go unpunished. We need to know this. Sin cannot go unpunished. There must be a payment, and it must be met. And His work on the behalf of others is what salvation is all about. And that's why this is grand. Genesis 22. God provides what? A ram. Provision. The Passover. Exodus 11, 12, and 13. God provides a way. The Passover. Leviticus. Leviticus. 16, there's a scapegoat. Leviticus 17, there is substitution by the shedding of blood. I encourage you, look at Leviticus 16 and 17 with the lens of the New Testament and you will see the beauty that God provided for the Israelites in all those ritualistic ways to point to Jesus. The heart of the saving work found in the Bible has always been substitution. And here I've just got a couple key lines to think about. This here, the next one. The suffering servant's death was substitutionary. Now, note this. Look look at some of these passages here, That just found in this passage here, some of the words here. Note how he represents us. He is a substitute for us. He took up our infirmities. He carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. He took up the punishment that brought us peace. It was upon him. By his wounds, we are healed. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. The problem that we have is our sin. And Christ took that upon himself. And here's the next line here. Take a look at this. The heart of the gospel of Jesus is substitution. It's not just in Isaiah, this passage. This is clearly throughout the New Testament. And i got a couple passages here. These are just a few. Listen to the beauty of God's saving work, not just in the old or the new. This is all the whole redeeming account of God in the whole counsel of Scripture. Romans 4.25 He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. He took our place. Praise God god amen romans again there's a reason i like this book god presented christ as a sacrifice of atonement or some of your older bibles may say propitiation through the shedding of the blood of his blood to receive by faith the next one first john 2 2 he is the atoning sacrifice the substitute For our sins. Not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. 1 John 4.10 This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Again, here we see that the New Testament clearly shows that Jesus took our place. Galatians 3.13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree or a pole Galatians 2:20 This is such a popular verse but it's based upon this substitution concept I've been crucified with Christ And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What is the heart of the gospel message? This stuff right here. No wonder we can walk around saying, I am not my own, I've been bought with a price. I deserve death. So the heart of the gospel of Jesus found in his love is seen through his taking my place. His death is the substitution. So, the first part, the servant's suffering, the suffering servant's death is substitutionary. The second part in this is the servant's the suffering servant's death is atoning it pays for it here it is i have i think i have this up here what we could not do he does for us you've heard me say this often we cannot save ourselves take a look at this passage isaiah 53 yet we considered him punished by god who killed jesus There's many answers in, to that in Scripture, but there's primarily one answer. We read a couple of weeks ago, Peter says to the Jewish people that were in the crowd, you killed Jesus, along with, and he mentioned some Roman names and other people, the soldiers. So there were people there that physically were a part about killing. Ultimately, we also see that our sins, because of our sins, we are a part of that. But ultimately, and this is a tough one, God is the author of his death. Now some people don't like this today. Because we are to live in a world that we are to be tolerant and loving to everyone. And how, this is to some people, listen to this, some people they would say, this is divine parental abuse. Why would the father kill the son? That's horrible. That's wrong. No way would I follow a God that would kill his own son. That's because, number one, they have brought God too low to fit their standards, and they have lessened and made sin not as grave as it is. Because of our sin, there must be a punishment yet we considered him punished by God stricken by him and afflicted the passage says he suffered under sin by a couple of verses before the strong arm of God look at verse 5 but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities By his death, this great servant bore the punishment that was necessary for what reason? To atone, to bring back restoration in the relationship with us and God. Write this down, remember this, etch this into your memory. The cross is all about bringing restoration in the relationship with us and God. Thus we need the atoning work of one such as Christ. This atoning concept, again, is found in Leviticus. The Messiah is pierced and crushed in our place. He is a substitute for us. Take a look at these passages here. Second Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the heart of the gospel message. We deserve death. But Christ, who knew no sin, lived a life of complete obedience, took our judgment, took our sin and shame. 1 Peter 3, For Christ died for the sins, once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. He satisfied the requirements of God's wrath. Know this. God is just. Remember this? God is just. We deserve death. And as soon as that gavel comes down, as the judge says, you deserve death. As soon as that comes down, he slips in our place and says, but I will take your place. We deserve God's wrath. And as his wrath comes down to meet us, it meets Jesus. He died in our place to bring us to God. This restoration. He satisfied the wrath of God. He took our place. This is something we all kind of get, but let me give you an example of what this is like. I can't use names because I told my kids I won't use names, so don't imagine who it is. Two of my kids were fighting. It happens. They were in the bedroom, and they were arguing about a toy or something. And I was in another room, and I could hear them arguing, and soon it started getting to the point where they were yelling at each other. So I walked in and said, Girls, no more fighting. You should never let a toy come between you and your sister, as in, it shouldn't make you fight. That's silly. It's just a toy. Share. So they are like, okay, okay, Papa. I walk away. Two minutes later, what happens? I hear it again, fighting and yelling, and I go in there, girls, no more. If you keep this up, I will, here it is, this is what I do, I will take away privileges. Because I think that's what the Lord does in the Old Testament with his bickering children. It's not about sending lightning bolts and just zapping people all the time. What he does is, if you don't obey, if you don't follow me, if you don't love and listen, privileges will be taken away. That's his punishment. It's interesting. It's not, I'm going to smack you with my hand. Here's lightning bolts and all this crazy stuff. Just look through the Old Testament. You see that he withdraws his privileges to awaken his children so they would come back. So I say, girls, I will take away privileges if you keep this up. And often, if they're fighting over a toy, I say, all right, you're fighting over the toy. Now whose toy is it? And they always go, It's yours. And they kind of like, ugh. And I'm like, I don't want this. But like, ugh, I don't want to give it away. So I step away. And guess what happens in two minutes? Because it's a pastor's house. What happens? Are they singing the hallelujah chorus in there? No! They're fighting again! So I go in there. Girls, I'm taking away privileges. No more. I need to take away privileges. Girls... Guess what? No snack tonight. What? Because remember this blur of like needs and wants? We gotta have a snack tonight. We will starve. Girls, no snack tonight. Now, here's the difference how people respond. One daughter, ah, I'm gonna die, please. I need water right now. I can just, I'll eat my toy. It's made out of wood. I have this fiber in there. That's how kind of she responded. Maybe not with those words, but in that type of way. Some of us respond that way, right? Here's the other way the other daughter responded. Fine. I deserve it. That's fine. And it's interesting how the two respond or how we act sometimes with God. Why? No! For something we don't even need. Or, fine. Fine. I deserve it. Woe is me. And you loathe and sit there and just go, "Mm," and you get angry towards God. I step away. I get a phone call. And it's grandma. She says, I'm driving by. Can we meet for some ice cream? Oh, sure we can. Absolutely. We'll see you in 20 minutes. A minute goes by, and guess what's happening in that room? Not fighting over toys, but now the blame game. Why are we as humans so quick to go, you did it. Oh, it's all because of you. She's the one. She touched me first. She hurt. And we go on and on. And the fighting began again. And then I said, Girls, you don't understand. So I thought, I'm going to make this plain to them so they will not forget this. So this is what I did. I grabbed some of their little, I call these juju bees. I don't even know what juju bees are. Forget me if that's a weird term. But I grabbed two of their little necklaces and I gave them this little sign. <laughs> and this sign says, What? No snack. I put it on each daughter and said, you keep this up. You need to know that I will take... Per- you can't do this anymore. No snack. The two daughters like, Ah, no! And the other one, fine. She had a little hoodie on. She put it over and like, fine, I'm going to cover it up. She put her sweater, you know, she zipped it up. She's like, no. And the other one just kind of crunched up like, no! Ten minutes later, I said, girls, it's time to go what you know It just as kids what will happen in 10 minutes that will be gone in another 10 minutes, right you know how it is moods come and go and we get in the car and we're like all right let's go guess where we're going we're going to the store because grandma's going to be there all right let's go so we load up in the vehicle and then i say girls guess what we're going to meet grandma for ice cream yay oh no what no Please know this, people. Our sins are grave, serious, result in death. Why do we just act like it's nothing? Right? Do you not realize the beauty of Christ? So as we're driving, I have this all mapped out in my head. Girls... What does your sign say? No! The, the response is, oh, no snack. And yet, I think one of the girls was like, what's going on? You know, she's like, what, what's going on here? I say, girls, listen. You disobeyed me. You hurt your sister. You used words that should not be used to anyone that were just rude and mean. You coveted me. I mean, I could just go through the Ten Commandments, right? You break one, you break them all. You did this, you wrong. And I warned you, I told you, don't, or privileges will be And you cap it up. And now you have this sign. And my wife's at this time going, They got it. That's enough. You're just, you're this is how some religion, you know, she's got to look like no wonder cult. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And I said, girls, you did something wrong. And I warned you. I said, girls. Let me see your signs. So they just took off their signs. One was still perfect. The other one was wrinkled beyond distortion. You couldn't read. I said, "Girls, let me see them." And as we're, don't do this as you're driving, don't do this at home. But as we drove, I said, "Girls, because I love you, and I want you to be with Grandma, and I want you to enjoy ice cream, someone has to pay." I said, "Tonight, I will wear the sign." I put both of them on, and their eyes, searching as they could, you know how it is, they were like, I understand, dad is now taking the punishment, I get ice cream, and one of the girls said, does that mean I get ice cream? Yes, you can have as much ice cream as you want. you not when you read this passage in light of what Christ has done choke up tear up and say thank you God almighty again as I read this you know me a young theologian I love just looking at these big huge words let's talk about the difference between transgressions infirmities let's talk about punishment let's instead I'm going to read this again think about this sign and listen to the pronouns. He and us are we. Get your eyes on this passage again and think of the beauty of His substitution that atone for our sins. Isaiah 53 verse 4 Surely He took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by Him, and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions, He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What we could not do, Jesus did. We cannot pay the price of our sin on our own the punishment hell for eternity but the wrath of God demands justice and in Christ justice is found in the death of Christ we find ourselves finding freedom The removal of God's wrath is the great gift that we have in Christ. This properly deals with the wrath of God in a way that we could not do. I think it's the last slide here. It's this. The suffering servant's death completed his purpose. Look at verse 5. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And here it is. Listen to this. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. We have peace now. Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We now have peace. We were once enemies with God. More than just no snack. We were enemies because of our sin. And now we have peace. Salvation is all about restoration in the relationship with God. And we have peace with God. This is profound. His sufferings were the penalty which paid for our sins, gaining us peace. Moral and spiritual wrong that we have done, we now have peace with God. That's profound. Look at the last part of this. And by his wounds, we are healed. We are healed. It doesn't say we were healed. We are healed. We will be healed. What what does this mean? This is... Turn to Matthew chapter 8. You've got to look at this passage. Again, I wish we had tons of time to... Do this road of Emmaus looking at Jesus when he was with two disciples, saying, Did you not see me in the prophets? Did you not see me in Moses, in Psalms? All this suffering? It all points to Christ. Matthew chapter 8, verse 14. When Jesus came to Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother in law, lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. She got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill. What was spoken through the prophet Isaiah? He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. We are healed through Jesus, spoken of 700 years before he was even born. Last night we had the church movie night and we watched a little movie that was suitable for kids and adults. It's called The Miracle Maker. And I'm always a student. So as I watched it, I had many questions. Not thinking, well, did they do this right in the movie? You know how it is. Sometimes you see biblical movies that are called biblical movies, and you wonder, where did they pull this out of? In fact, there's a new movie coming out based upon one of my favorite books in the Old Testament, Exodus. And I saw the preview, and I just think, Did they even read the Bible when they did this movie? But that's a different conversation. This movie we saw last night was beautiful. And I was amazed, because it just went through the Gospels, just went through the life of Jesus, how many times Jesus healed people. He was healing people, touching people, We live in a world where we're kind of like, here's my little space. In fact, when I first moved here, there were some of you who were like, here's my little bubble. Don't get near me at all. And as time got, I got a little closer and closer. But we love to have our space. Jesus was all about touching and healing and bringing glory to the Lord and fulfilling this passage in Isaiah. Know this. Jesus is still all about healing physically the body and healing the soul there's many people that met jesus that were not healed and there's many people today that we see that aren't healed today i'm not saying that jesus when he touched people they weren't healed but people probably came by him and they weren't not everyone was he did what the father did and when god chooses to do a work It will happen, amen? There's physical healing that we see in the Old Testament and in the New Testament and today. And I believe this. Jesus is about healing even today. But it's not just about healing so you can be stronger and do your work. That could be part of it. But I really believe that physical healing is that we receive today is to be a foretaste of the ultimate healing coming in the final vindication when he comes again. Amen? All this physical stuff, when we get a taste of it, it's to make us go, someday I will be healed at the ultimate healing. Read Revelation 21. There will be no more pain, no more suffering... And Jesus is a part of that. Weakness and sickness, He took our burdens. He has come. 1 Peter 2.24 again. He Himself bore our sins in His body so that we might die to the sins and live for righteousness. By His wounds, you have been healed. We are healed. This passage is broken. We have peace with God and we have healing. Not just physical, but of the soul. And restoration. Go back to Isaiah fifty three. Verse six. We all like sheep have gone astray. Sheep, they wander and they need a shepherd. And when they wander, there is grave danger when they leave the fold, When they leave the sight of the shepherd. We all have gone astray. And the loving shepherd is all about finding his lost sheep. And this passage speaks of this exalted king finding, redeeming, saving his rebellious people. And Jesus fulfills that. And even though it's this passage, look at this, this, each of us has turned to our own way. And God is satisfied with this. John Bunyan wrote this. And indeed, this is one of the greatest mysteries of the world. Namely, that a righteousness that resides in heaven should justify me, a sinner on earth. He took my place. I deserve death, but he took my place. What do we do with this? You have to respond. When the Spirit is working in your heart, there must be and will be a response. Two words surrender and worship. Surrender your life to the beauty of this mystery that the suffering servant would come and fulfill his purpose in me bringing peace with god and healing that he took my sin and my shame upon him and i surrender to that and i worship him completely with nothing holding back i've been bought with a price nothing that I have is really mine it belongs to him and for his kingdom when we know that Christ is the real sacrifice for our sins and that his work on our behalf has been made known through Christ by God and that he is the one that gave his blood for my poisonous sin he is the antidote the response is natural Surrender and worship. That should choke your selfish pride and your arrogance thinking that you can do it. Surrender and worship. If the followers of God would be more surrendering to his will and worshipers of his great atoning work, so much more, I believe, would happen in your lives as you would see the beauty of the cross lived out. So I ask you, surrender to this. Some of you, you know what? You sit there and just go, I know this. <laughs> he took my place. woo Do you know it? Like this. I remember... The first time I saw a mango was in a picture. saw a picture of a mango. I'm from the Midwest. We don't have mangoes. You know, okay, they get to the store once in a while, but most of them are from shipped up from Mexico. They're probably six months old. They have wax. They're dipped in wax to kind of preserve it or whatever. I'm not a mango guy. I think I might have had a mango once, you know, a piece of a mango in like, a, like some kind of fruit salad or something, nothing big. I remember when I went to the Philippines, and I saw what I would call a real mango. Not dipped in wax or with a sticker on it, but a mango. I picked it up, and it was kind of soft. I'm like, oh. At that moment, I could say, oh, I know this mango. I know what mangoes are like. Sure. You could put a pumpkin. You could put a watermelon, a squash, and a mango. I go, oh, that's a mango. I know that's a mango. But do I really know it? I will never forget when one of the Filipino guys said, have you ever had a mango? I said, oh, maybe. But not these kind. He took his knife and cut it, and they had a certain way where they just slice it like this, kind of like a checkerboard. He said, try this mango. And I took the fork, and I, it was a spoon. I took the spoon, and I was going to like jam into it, because, you know, fruit's kind of tough. The weight of the fork just alone let it slip into the mango. And I took a bite of this thing, and my mouth exploded. Every taste bud went, bing, this is a mango. What? I was like, what is this? What, what planet am I on? And they're just like, you're in the Philippines now. Enjoy. I'm like, "What? give me another one. I was like, yeah. I finally knew what a mango was. I grew up eating grapefruits. How many of you have had a grapefruit before? Yeah, my mom would cut them. She'd bring a pound of sugar out, and I would just dump it on there, and I'd eat it. My eyes and water, like, oh, I love grapefruit. They're good for you. In the Amazon jungle, they have grapefruit almost the size of bowling balls. They're this big. They're huge. I'm like, what? Oh, you got sugar with it? Oh, I got sugarcane chew on. I'm like, they said, no. Try this grapefruit. Cut it open. That the, the white stuff, that pulpy stuff, it was an inch and a half thick. I'm like, what is this? This isn't a grapefruit? What is this, a joke? They said, here's how we eat them. They cut a hole in the top, they carved it around, just squeeze it, milk it kind of a way, and just drink it. I'm like, oh, okay. Boom! I was like, this is a grapefruit. My mom was wrong. You don't need sugar. This- I had like 13 that day. I finally got a canker sore. I mean, it's like, these are great! This is freedom right here. This is life right here, Christian. Some of you are just looking at a picture of a mango going, oh, I know it. Some of you are just going, oh, I know this story, Pastor Cody. I got it down. I've read that verse before and you're just looking at the picture. Or some of you are just taking a bunch of sugar and dumping it on that grapefruit, going, oh, I got it, and your eyes are watering, and you haven't tasted the beauty and surrendered to this message. You deserve more than a no-snack sign on you. But has taken your place. How could you not surrender to, And worship him forever. Amen? Let's pray.